As a mom, you wear a lot of hats, and sometimes it seems like you're going in a million directions at once. At the 29-Minute Mom, we want to give you the tools to bring it all under control and reach your highest potential. If you give us a few minutes, we'll help you find those extra hours you need every week to achieve balance and satisfaction in everything you're trying to get done. The 29-Minute Mom. It's time just for you. And now, here's your host, life's organization expert, author and coach, Jennifer Ford-Berry. another episode of the 29 Minute Mom. And today I'm super excited to have a licensed professional counselor all the way from Dallas with us today. Her name is Michelle Neher and welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm excited to be here. And I love that we're going to do all this in 29 minutes. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, we're busy ladies. We just talked before we hit record how busy our day was and everybody listening. If you're a mom, we know you are busy, busy, busy. I want to mention that Michelle is also the co-author of the book Loved and Cherished and the host of the Raising Mentally Healthy Kids. So Michelle, I have a lot to talk to you about today. I think this is a godsend of a show ready to happen for a lot of moms listening. I think a lot of moms are sometimes just feeling at their wits end during this pandemic that is not ending and then to keep your you know mental health and your emotions together for your kids is no easy task so um go ahead and tell us a little bit about you know how you got to where you are today well i actually started my career in education and youth and children's ministry but i really loved the concept of discipleship and I really saw kids with such heavy issues going on in the culture, even back in the 90s. And so I really decided like the best place for me to be would be as a Christian counselor, because I could really work like one-on-one -on -one with families and with kids and really help them. You know how sometimes you know something in your head, but you can't quite get it into your heart and your life. I really wanted to help with that extra step. And so... Um, I, I've worked as a school crisis counselor, so it's not always Christian counseling, but I just know the difference having somebody beside you to encourage you to be your hope sometimes when you're struggling with hope to to really help you create a toolbox and some solutions to help you manage your emotions is just really helpful. I've used a coach and a counselor off and on myself. Um, we've had significant death and trauma in our family. My husband's twin sister and her husband died of cancer, leaving behind three kids. And, you know, my, my staff of 15 were like, who does the counselor of like 20 years go see? I'm like a counselor of 30 years, what do you think? <laughs> you know? So, um, and I literally think I broke a record. She said, cause I went through an entire Kleenex box in one session. Now it was extended because I, time is hard. But I'm so glad that like with telehealth, mental health is becoming more available and easier to access. And I'm really a fan of if you're going to take a mental health day off work, go get a mental health checkup with a therapist who can, who gets you and can listen to you and support you. Cause it's, it's just something I think we all need sometimes. And it doesn't I, I, mean you're sick. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely agree. And if, I mean, if, if you have been debating working with a therapist this was the year. I mean, this past year and a half has really pushed us all to the limit. Um, I know that, so 
recently, I think it was a little bit over a year ago, I started working with my own counselor for the first time in my adult life. And um, I could not have made it through without her, to be honest with you. It was really important to me to find a person that had faith and was a Christian um, because that's kind of how I look at life. And I needed the, the counselor to understand that part of me. Um, but I also needed the psychology behind my emotions. And to be quite honest with you, Michelle, my first session, I literally said the words, I don't like feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet there's some, I bet if I said, let's go sit on a patio and have an amazing time, you'd be good with that feeling, right? Yeah, I just don't like bad feelings. Yeah. I know what you're saying. The yeah. I like to call them with the kids. We call them the uncomfortable ones, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes sad, mad and scared aren't fun. Yeah. And absolutely. They're hard to sit in. Sometimes we like to spiritualize them away or try to fix them away or minimize them or dismiss them, but they're real. And I don't think with the pandemic and COVID, many of us have been able to avoid our feelings anymore. It's <laughs> no, we're stuck with them. <laughs> yeah. Managing you know them. And on top of that, you launched a kid in the middle of all that. So that's a lot. So what Definitely. happened in our personal life is that we went through a big family disruption, let's just say it in a nice term, um, something major just kind of imploded in our family. And we were left being very, very upset with the outcome and had a lot of feelings to work through. And so I decided to um, reach out to a counselor and then the, shortly after the pandemic hit, and then shortly after that, my daughter um, was going off to college after a very disappointing senior year. And when she got to college, um, she was very depressed because they were under strict, strict rules. She was an athlete at a college in New York State and wasn't allowed to do much. And she was very isolated. And because of my positive experience with my counselor, um, we, we you know, I had mentioned to her and talked openly with her how much it had had helped me and how much I just valued this counselor I was working with. And so we found a Christian counselor for her as well to get through um, that tough season. And I mean, honestly, I have told so many of my girlfriends that I just, I don't, I look forward to my time with my counselor. I don't really want to continue on life without her just because she's such a great sounding board. And she reminds me um, of all sorts of things that I tend to do, like assume and things like that. So she's wonderful. And I'm, I don't think if I, if I hadn't reached out for my own help, I don't think I would have been able to be that example for my daughter. I think that is huge. That is actually on the Raising Mentally Healthy Kids podcast, which is going to release the new season uh, in May. And with that new branding, the first thing I talk about is that if you want to raise a mentally healthy kid, you got to be a mentally healthy parent. Yes. And part of that is having community and support and asking for extra help when you need it. And I think that's so important that we want our kids to do these things. I just laugh at families are like, we'll pay whatever for our kid, but then, oh no, we don't have it in the budget for me to get help. And I'm like, but you're in the same home. Like if you're super anxious and I'm helping your kid, but you're super anxious, it's going to be hard still. Like you working on your anxiety helps your child experience less anxiety in the place they live, which is supposed to be their safe place to land. That is such a powerful statement, really, Michelle. Yeah. Um, and you know what I've learned is that if you're an adult as a parent right now, sometimes we just kind of go to the default button on parenting 
based on how we were parented. And if we stop and think about the things that we don't really appreciate about that or didn't serve us well, we can take the things that were positive and we can change the things that were negative. And by working on ourselves and focusing on self-growth, be a different kind of parent for our children. Absolutely. That is something that was, I mean, I didn't grow up in a horrible home, but I did not grow up in a perfect home. And somebody in my home had a lot of anger and I really didn't want to experience, I didn't want my children to experience that kind of anger. And I'm a little bit of a hothead sometimes. Um, and so I really worked hard in my twenties at really healing my own, from my own experiences and my own like false beliefs and that kind of cognitive behavioral renewing your mind piece. Mm -hmm. And then really looked at like creating a different mindset and a different type of household. And I have so enjoyed the house. The house we live in now is not perfect and our kids aren't perfect, but um, it's pretty peaceful. And I'm grateful for even the training I had on attachment parenting and peaceful parenting of just learning some of those skills so that I can, I mean, my daughter had a major disappointment last week and just being able to sit beside her sad. Um, it's harder as a mom, I'll tell you, than as a therapist, I can sit beside a sad kid every day in my office. And that's just, you know, that's a sad kid and I can teach them skills pretty easily, but I feel what my daughter feels and I hurt for her. It really is harder for us mamas. And, um, I think it's so important though, that we learn to sit with our kids and those emo like the emotions you said you don't like, you know, we have to learn to be comfortable with them so we can help our kids be comfortable with them or else they're going to hide them from us. And we don't want that. That's why I'm out here because it is so important to me and writing books and speaking and podcasting because if you dismiss your child's feelings or minimize them, they're less likely to come to you with the uncomfortable feelings again. And then when that happens, Jennifer, you lose the, the, just the important role of their emotional compass. And I'm so grateful your daughter was able to, yeah, I had a good friend whose kid was up in New York too. And just them doing class online and being so isolated in their dorm room, she ended up bringing him home to Texas because it was so hard on him to, experience that kind of isolation. He just wasn't used to it. And our kids are struggling. And the, I was just listening to some great training from Dr. Tim Elmore. I was in Florida at a conference called the D6 Family Conference. And Tim was talking about the research on pandemic kids and Gen Z, especially the second half of Gen Z we're seeing now. And not only are they the screen generation, the first ones to really come through where they've grown up from toddlerhood with the screen, but they're the first generation. I think most of us thought, man, if I go to college, I'm going to own a home someday. And, you know, this is kind of how my life's going to work. And they wonder if they'll ever be able to afford a home. Home prices are just escalating. They wonder if there's real hope for them, for their future. And I know that's promised to us in scripture, but our, but our, our, you know, young people are struggling with that and we need to validate it is, it's a different world. None of us grew up in this world and we can be very resilient, but it's tough. And we're trying to help our kids bounce back. And I tell this, I tell people all the time, if these kids figure out how to bounce back from this well, they will be a very resilient generation. They will. And, you know, we have to give ourselves as parents grace because we're the first group of parents to raise these kids that have been attached to screens from childhood. 
and it's difficult. I know I've, you know, had so many conversations with other parents about that. We don't know how to navigate it exactly because we didn't have any role models doing it. And now we're seeing the effects of it on top of a pandemic. So yeah, we have to really be um, compassionate towards this generation. Was there anything else that you learned at the conference that was like kind of like a, oh my gosh, I can't believe this about this, that, that we should know as parents dealing with kids at this age? I think especially for spiritual development, I love the shirt I bought there. It's one of their themes. It's one over 68. And it says one hour is not enough. So the whole conference is about the fact that if you want your kids to have spiritual walks, no matter what your spirituality, but especially kids of faith, then, then you can't just take them to church once a week and you can't yourself go once a week and expect that to be enough to sustain y'all for, for life, you know, in the real world these days. And so I love that I listened to your podcast on the morning miracle and I've read the book myself in fact, I was talking about it in a growth group that I lead, a growth book group that I lead. And um, I just think we've got to put that spiritual time in. And that's why I wrote Loved and Cherished, because I want us to equip girls who especially struggle with, how do I look? Um, how did I do? Who likes me? To find another compass for their sense of worth. And they're going to need to like look at that every day, because they're going to go look at Instagram and everything and Snapchat and TikTok next, and they're going to compare themselves to others. And that message is you are who you, how you look, you are who likes you, you are valued based on what you do. And so in order to break that and give our kids the freedom to know their love, no matter what, because they're created by a God who loves them and, and they've had a great price paid for them, then we got to get that into their minds and their hearts on a daily basis, just like we need it. Also, so we, you know, I need that spiritual sense of peace. So I don't like lose my cookies with my kids. Yeah. Um, I'm still in the trenches. You know, I've got a 10 and a 13 year old. So um, I have a feeling some of your moms are there with me. And I was just talking to my sister-in-law who called me and it's been a rough day for her. She's got, can you even imagine she's got twin 18 month olds and a six and a half year old. And one of the 18 months olds has downs and you know, I tell her, I mean, her days are hard, hard days, but I was telling her today, you're a great mom, but your life's going to be a lot easier when these kids are in school. I'm just letting you know now, you know, you're doing a great job, but it is hard and she's going to have those hard days. And we all are, whether our kids are in college and they're calling crying, whether they're in high school and they, they don't get an opportunity or COVID hits them and they have to, like, that's what happened to us. We got, um, exposed and we had to quarantine and my daughter missed a, like something she worked the whole semester on and that yeah. can happen yeah and we have to help our kids deal with disappointment and bounce back well and that's why we have to learn how to do that so we can help them do it as well absolutely you know it's it's interesting because I've been in this um my bible study group is doing this book called mom set free and um we're actually gonna have the author on the show um pretty soon but, oh, she's great. I've heard her speak in Dallas. She's yeah. a, um, Jenny in her name. Jenny, is that right? Yeah, Jenny, yeah. She's yeah, Jenny is amazing. She's so sweet too. It's very yeah. Smart. yeah. This book is so good um, because of the fact that a lot of the moms in the group have their kids home and they're all ages. You know, my kids are in school full time, but we had to really pivot and change schools to get there this year. Um, and I had to pay attention to their mental health and the fact that, you know, our son, he's 16. He was virtual. He was not his happy self anymore. My husband and I started 
realizing that it wasn't a good fit for him. So we had to, in the middle of high school, pull him out and put him into a new private school. And he's doing fantastic because of that. But if you're the parent and you're listening to this, you know when your child starts to go downhill a little bit or needs that extra um, hug or extra chat, or maybe you do need to pivot. Um, and what we've been talking about in the study is really important because it's all about um, giving, like to kind of taking a little bit of the pressure off ourselves as parents, because we have to give it to God. And we also have to just, instead of constantly thinking we have to have the perfect words, we have to be the example. And it's interesting because one of the moms was sitting at the table doing the Bible study and her son had not seen her do that before. And he ended up saying, well, what are you doing, mom? You know, and he was, you know, a teenager <laughs> with an attitude. And she's like, I'm doing my Bible study. He's like, okay, well, what's it all about? And he was curious. And even though he acted like he didn't care, he was curious because these kids want to know what mom is doing. And so it's interesting. So if you're listening today and you just feel like, how am I going to have this conversation with my child or how am I going to be more available? It's all about the actions. It doesn't have to be perfect words, right, Michelle? Absolutely. We need to let ourselves off the hook for that. And I can give you some good leads. Like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> when was the last time you cried? Is a great way to find out if you're like, I found out from my own child, I'm a mental health professional. I can assess depression pretty well, but I hadn't asked my kid that question. And you know, last year about this time, my child said she cried every day for the last two weeks. She hated Zoom school. She didn't like not being able to see her friends and she, she loved us, but we were just not enough for her. So, you know, and that's real. And I was so glad to understand that we did some pretty interesting physical distancing parking lot gatherings with some, you know, SUVs and minivans to help those girls who just needed that face-to-face, -face, like just to virtual hug from six feet away and all that kind of stuff back then. And I think pivot's such a great word. It, it's a great word. Like sometimes we as parents need to pivot from our screens for a minute, even though we're working on them and things like that, to give our kids a moment to just check in with them, see how they're doing. Um, we also need to think of some specific questions. We can ask them, how are they sleeping? Are they, can they get to sleep easily? Are they staying asleep? Um, cause those are signs that things may be harder for our kids and they're beginning to affect them physically. Also asking them, what have you, what have you been thinking about lately? You know, when you worry, what do you worry about? Um, when you're excited, what are you excited about? Just kind of beginning to use that, you know, if you've got little ones using that emotional vocabulary and helping them develop it and, and saying sometimes when they tell you something, wow, that sounds like that would be disappointing. How do you feel about it? I think I would feel disappointed. And just taking a moment, the research says that if we, if we name the feeling, if we help the kids like in us to identify where it is in our bodies, and then we do something to kind of let it go, whether it's talk about it, move, make a sound like, you know, sometimes I'll do that. And my staff will know I'm really stressed because I'm let I'm processing my feelings, I guess, or my stress, but um, the kids are less likely to loop. And that feeling to come back stronger and stronger, which can happen if we're not addressing our emotional reactions. And then we want to teach our kids when it comes to feelings that they're on the bus. Like you didn't even want them on the bus when you started, but we want them on the bus, but they can't be the driver of the bus. You know, our thoughts and our, our faith and our intention, we need to be driving the bus with God as our little, as you know, our kind of co-driver, if we were in driver's ed, 
but it's so important that we acknowledge those feelings and we let them sit on the bus. They just can't rule us because sometimes they're, they're too strong. And especially for kids, because they don't always have the same perspective we do, but we have to understand that they're not wrong and we don't want to dismiss them because they have a different perspective. We want to validate their perspective. I mean, think about how big your teacher looked when you were five. And if you go back and see that kindergarten teacher now, she doesn't look that big <laughs> to you. But that's how our kids are experiencing something at times. Sometimes a loss doesn't seem that, like maybe even graduation, you know, how much does your graduation mean to you now? Maybe not as much as it did then because you're decades past that. But for an 18 year old, that's all they can see in front of them. That seems like a big loss at the time. And, and we need to just sit with our kids in these experiences, validate that these are happening. And then I do think we want to give them hope. We just can't move there too quickly. In fact, it's better if they move us there. If we say, hey, I think you can figure this out. I know you're going to see some good in this someday. I can't wait to hear what you think it is. You know, and I watched my daughter go through that. She said, maybe a friend of mine will get a bigger part that we've been kind of praying with her because she really wants more of an opportunity to lead. And that would be something good that comes out of me not being able to do it if she gets to do it. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, what a mature response for a 13 year old to have. You know, I didn't tell her that because we don't want to do the work for them. If we want to, you know, let them go and let them launch well, then we want to be asking them, wow, that sounds hard. Right now, you may just need to say that sounds hard and go to bed. Maybe tomorrow we can talk about what do you want to do about it? That kind of thing. So what's the difference between, um, you know, being a cheerleader, being, you know, a positive influence and getting them to look at maybe a brighter side and sitting with them and their feelings? I mean, a lot of moms listening, I'm sure are saying, okay, how do I know when I've let them sit too long? Maybe you see them starting to just dwell on it or anxiety is taking over. How do we as moms know when to kind of change our tune? Yeah, in the counseling office, our, what I teach our new counselors is frequency and intensity. So if we see the, the frequency of the feeling coming too often or the intensity of the feeling beginning to escalate, now I'm using big words, but you get it, right? Like yes. how, how strong it is and how often it happens. And so when, when we look at those two things, if that's starting to increase, then we may need to have some intervention. Our kids may be looping or getting stuck. Now, I want to normalize grief, though. Grief, I, I'm writing a children's book with a co-author, actually a series on emotions from a faith perspective. And grief is like waves. The sadness is going to come over and roll away and come back over. You think you finally kind of got through it, and here comes another wave, you know. And over time, they get smaller. But I really, I was trained in person by John Townsend Henry Cloud. It really takes grace and truth, but it also takes time for us to heal. And we want to give our kids that time, but we don't want them to get stuck. We don't want them not eating, overeating, too isolated, not sleeping. Um, you know, you can tell when your kid's almost been heavy too long, if you're paying good attention and being curious. And then worst case scenario, ask them. Sometimes I know there've been times where I've thought something was wrong and my kids were just really thoughtful in the moment, but I think it's good for them to know mom cares and she's interested and she's checking on me. Now, mama doesn't do that like every hour because that would be very helicoptery. And <laughs> I want them to learn to do it for themselves, right? So I want them, I want, it's kind of that whole formula. I was talking to a tween parenting expert and he and I just have the same philosophy. Like 
you do it for them. Then you do it with them, but you do it. Then you do it with them and they do it. And then they do it on their own is the goal. And then if they mess up, we don't go, oh, I need to start doing it for you again. No, we just like say, okay, I'm going to let you do it. And I'm going to do it with you again. Because obviously you're not quite there yet. Yeah. But you're going to get there because you got to, or else you're never leaving my house. And I want that. (laughs) So I just, I think when we model, um, you know, I work really hard at this. I don't think about in the morning, how do I, how do I feel? I think the night before, how do I want to feel? And I think about what I need to think in order to feel that way. Ooh, right. That's good. You got it. Because otherwise, like, I will be honest with you, Jennifer, there are some days I'd wake up so overwhelmed because I'd think about my to-do list first and I'd like want to go back to bed and forget it. Um, I, sometimes I wake up, I'm in the middle of menopause. Can you imagine puberty and menopause? Bad combo. Definitely. <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking, but, um, you know, sometimes I'm in the middle of menopause and I haven't had the best night's sleep and I just want to go to back to bed. And if I start thinking that I'm not going to feel better, I'm going to feel sleepier. So I kind of have these thoughts that like, I am productive. I'm going to have a productive day, or this is the day God has made. I know God's got me. And I just have these things. And I try to help my clients find these, you know, you don't even have to have that morning miracle moment. Although I think that is good to give it, like you say, five to 15 minutes, but you can lay in your bed and start directing your thoughts before your feet, we teach the girls at, at loved and cherished camp last summer before your feet hit the floor. And I think also we can just take a moment. I use my Alexa, my Amazon echo to, you know, read my favorite, my, one of my favorite podcasts is um, pray every day by Mary DeMuth. And she reads a scripture and she prays for you. And I have Mary happens to be my editor and I know her well, so it's extra special, I guess, in a way, but Uh, she's going through Psalms and and David's a hot mess, right? Like, you know, God is awesome. And I'm on the top of the world. Oh, just slay me now, Lord. The world is horrible and I want out. I mean, he is just a great example to me of a, of somebody on an emotional roller coaster. So very normal. Such good examples. I'm just such good advice today, Michelle. I really, really appreciate it. I feel like there's, this is a very empowering episode for moms. And I thank you so much. I, we're, we're, we're um, getting to the end of the 29 minutes here, but I want to make sure everybody knows the name of your book is called Love and Cherished. And the name of your podcast is called Raising Mentally Healthy Kids. So make sure you check out both because as you can tell, Michelle is full of advice and wisdom. <laughs> and we just, appreciate you so much. And you know what? I just pray that God's favor stays on your business because moms and kids really, really, really need it. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And if you're a mom out there listening, just know that God's got you too. And he cares about you and he wants to be involved. You may have a situation in your family that seems very hopeless in the moment that you may need to talk to someone, but there is hope. There is hope and what it feels like today, it won't always feel the same. And that is the good news of life is it's ever-changing. And if it's good, I think we need to celebrate the socks off of it. And when it's hard, we need to be able to be vulnerable and reach out for help until it becomes a little easier again. Absolutely. What a great way to end. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you to all the moms listening. And if you love the show, make sure you share it with other moms. I'm sure they could all benefit from them and leave us a review, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you and how this show affected you. And God bless everybody listening until next time. Bye-bye.
Hey, sweet friend. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed and burned out? If so, I totally get it. As moms, we have so much on our plates. It's not easy to take care of everyone, keep up with your to-do list and find time for ourselves, but it can be done. All you need is a step-by-step plan and a system that works. Plus some extra encouragement and accountability doesn't hurt either. That is why I want to formally invite you to my brand new coaching program, the Created Order Neighborhood. The neighborhood is for women just like you that want to live a life of order, calm, intention, and purpose. I promise you, sister, you are not alone in your overwhelm. All you need to do is to decide to move into our community today, and I will help you find more space, time, energy, and money to live a life of purpose and contentment. Just go to my website, jenniferfordberry.com and look for the created order neighborhood. Hope to see you there.